You're listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast, a recording of the Sunday morning service at Hill City Church. We would love to have you join us in person. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church. And after they finished nailing him to the cross, while they were waiting for him to die, they killed some time by throwing dice for his clothes. Above his head, they, they had posted his criminal charges against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. People passing along the road jeered, shaking their heads and mocking lament. You bragged that you could tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Show us your stuff. Save yourself. If you're really the son of God, come down from that cross. The high priest, along with other religious scholars and leaders, right there mixing it up with them. Having a great time poking fun at him. He saved others, but he can't save himself? King of Israel, is he? And let him get down from that cross, and we'll all become believers then. He was so sure of God. We'll let him rescue his son now. From noon till three, the whole earth was dark. Around mid-afternoon, Jesus groaned out of the depths, crying loudly, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The temple curtain split right down the middle. Jesus called in a loud voice, Father, I have placed my life in your hands. And then he breathed his last breath. Late in the afternoon, a wealthy man, a disciple of Jesus, arrived. His name was Joseph, and he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate granted the request. Joseph took that body, wrapped it in clean linens, and put it in his own tomb, a tomb that was recently cut into the rock. Then he rolled a large stone across its entrance, and it was sundown. An interesting way to start an Easter service. For many of us, we've been a part of the church for a long time, or, or maybe this is your first time being here today. Easter's supposed to be joyous. It's supposed to be an excitement. It's supposed to be a celebration of what God has done. But for us to fully embrace and understand why we celebrate, why the resurrection mattered, we have to fully understand the sacrifice that Jesus made. It's through his death that the resurrection became a thing. It's through his death that we find forgiveness. It's through his death that we can get to this place on Sunday and celebrate what God has done. But we don't get to Sunday if we don't recognize the sacrifice that was made on Friday. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Luke chapter 24 today. 
as we look at, 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 at the account of all the different little elements and things that happened as, as Jesus was resurrected. And these are, the, the, these are the, the stories that took place as Jesus was, for lack of a better term, reintroduced to his people. Now the verses will be on screen if you don't have your Bible, but in Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 1, it says this, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women uh, took spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the, stole, the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed in gleaming Sorry, clothed that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed uh, down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remembering how they told you, remember how they told you, remember how he told you, sorry. While he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. See, without the resurrection, none of Jesus' Jesus' promises would be trustworthy. If Jesus did not rise from the dead after promising many times that he would do so, that he should be pitied or scorned, not believed or trusted. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down. He's alive, so Jesus' promises are trustworthy. If you go through the account through what we call the, the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, found uh, towards the end of your Bible. You're going to see over and over again that Jesus defines himself as the Messiah. He told the woman at the well that I am he, the one that you've been waiting for, is here. And I've come for the forgiveness of sin. He told his disciples that, that he was going to die, that the, 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 the darkness was going to come over the land, but he would return. He would conquer death. So if the resurrection didn't happen, we probably wouldn't be following this Jesus anymore. Maybe, maybe you've had friends or people you know, people you work with that are like this. They, 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 they tell these stories or, or they, they, they speak something into existence, for lack of a better term. They say something's going to happen and then it never happens, right? It's like sports fans, right? Sports fans are like, well, my team's winning this year and then they don't win. <laughs> and we're about to head into to NHL playoffs, hockey playoffs uh, here in a few weeks. And for me, there's, there's not a better season. We get, to, we get to celebrate. And my avalanche, my Colorado avalanche, they're going to win this year. Because they won last year and they're going to win again. But that's just me talking. I have no power over it. And the reality would be if, if Jesus wasn't God, 
If Jesus didn't know the plan, if Jesus didn't know that death was not going to keep him separated, then he'd be just like me, wishing that my avalanche would win the cup, wishing that his life would be restored. But that isn't Jesus. See, Jesus was God. Jesus lived a perfect life so he could die a sinner's death. He was our sacrifice that we desperately needed. Blood had to be shed for our forgiveness and for our sin. And that's exactly what Jesus did. But for the, full, for, but for the fullness of this life to be experienced, this, this connected back to God experience, Jesus would have to conquer death. He would have to change our future. That's why the resurrection. That's why he promised it. And that's why he came through on his promises. Because he's alive, the things that he's promised us today will be true. We're not talking prosperity thinking of like, if I will it or, or, or believe it into existence and then I'm going to have all this money and not have all these issues. We're not talking about any of that. We're talking about these deep promises that he says, if you give your life to me and my sacrifice will be enough for you, that my grace is greater than your sin, you will spend eternity with me in heaven forever. He promises us if we, if we abide or we walk with him in relationship that he's not going anywhere and he's going to walk in relationship with us. He can be our source of peace, our source of patience, our source of strength when we feel like we have nothing to give. As we walk with Jesus, we, we find growth and maturity in who we are and who God has created us to be. These are the promises that God, that God and Jesus have given. And these promises can be trustworthy and trusted because he's alive. Well, let's keep going through um, these accounts in verse 9. When they came from the tomb, remember this is the women. They told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others with them that told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to be like nonsense. Right? Understandably so. Now, sure. Some of these disciples would have experienced Lazarus, Jesus bringing Lazarus back from the dead, pulling him out of the tomb. But that was one. <laughs> that was one person out of so many that they watched die. Loved ones and family members and coworkers. People don't come back from that. So of course they were skeptical. Of course, they're like, hmm, I'm not sure. Seems pretty crazy. In verse 12, Peter, however, got up, and he ran to the tomb. He wanted to see this thing for himself. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying there by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. 
See, without the resurrection, there would be no foundation for this movement, what we call the church. See, Jesus' resurrection turned, turned scattered deserters back into faithful followers. As they sat there wondering after Jesus' death, what do we do next? I thought he was going to conquer Rome. I thought he was going to put down our oppressors. I, 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 thought, I thought this was bigger. I thought he was, I thought he was God. It's probably some in the group that started to wonder, have, have I wasted the last three years of my life? Did we follow a Do we follow a lunatic who called himself God? Did we get this all wrong? See, if Jesus didn't return, if he wasn't alive, if his resurrection didn't happen, they would have stayed deserted. They'd eventually went back to their homes and their towns and went back to their old jobs and their old ways of life like nothing ever happened. But that's not true, and that's not what happened. Because Jesus did come back. Jesus did fulfill his promise, and he did conquer death. And because of that, the church stands today. We being one of many collected congregations coming together across the world on this day to celebrate what Jesus has done, the church is still here. And I don't know about you, but I've been in the church for a long time, and I've seen a lot of dysfunction. In all honesty, in a lot of ways, the church is probably the most dysfunctional, quote-unquote, organization on the planet. With broken people that cause harm. But guess what? The church is still here. How crazy is that? If that isn't a sign that there is, there is a higher being, which we call God, at play, I don't know what it would be. You have to remember the church went through dark, evil times. Where they went through the crusades and conquered and killed for the sake of God and the kingdom. And yet the church is still here. It's times of disorganization and scattering. But the church still grew. The people. I'm not talking about the organization. I'm talking about the people, the collected people of God. It's still here. And we all surround ourselves or wrap ourselves around this, this simple message that we call the gospel. See, without the, without the resurrection, there would be no gospel message. There would be no good news story to be told. It would have ended when Jesus took his last breath. See, the gospel message is that Christ died, that Christ was buried, that Christ was raised, and that Christ appeared. That he was God. That he lived a perfect life. That he died a sinner's death for you and his blood was shed. But he conquered death. 
and establish a new covenant or a new relationship with his creation and those that chose to follow him. If you're taking notes, write this down. He's alive, so the gospel is true. He's alive, so the gospel is true. Without the resurrection, we wouldn't find salvation. We wouldn't be able to declare with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead so we could be saved. We wouldn't be able to be restored back to God in relationship. In all reality, this would be pointless. But that's not the story. That's not what happened. See, the movement didn't didn't die in the tomb because Jesus conquered the tomb. The movement just began. And it's a movement that still exists today, and it's a decision that you still have the opportunity to make today. You may look at your life and say, it's not working. I've been trying to do this on my own, and it's not working. Of these things that I do that we call sin, that, that they're wreaking havoc and causing destruction and hurting my relationships. It's that sin that separates you from God. It's that sin everyone in this room has in common. We all deal with it. It's all a part of our stories. The difference between those that are called Christians and those that are not called Christians is the, record, the, the realization that Jesus died. It's the realization that he was raised. It was the realization that he is Lord and God. Is the realization that I needed a Savior. And that Savior's name was Jesus. It's a decision you could make today. Jesus, I need you. I've sinned against you and I've done wrong. I've tried to live this life the way that I wanted to live it. And God, I've realized it doesn't work. And I want to follow you. And I recognize that you went to the cross and died for my sins. You were my sacrifice. And if I put my faith in you and in you alone, I can have salvation. But more than that, I can have a relationship restored with you, my God. He's alive. So the gospel is true. In verse 13, let's keep going in our story. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. It's about a seven-mile trip from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. They talked and discussed these things with each other as they were talking and discussing these things of Jesus dying. Verse 15, halfway through, Jesus himself came up and was walking alongside them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their face downcast, hope 
fleeting. One of them asked, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem that does not know the things that have happened in these days? Jesus, what things? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He, he, was, a, he was a prophet. Powerful in word and in deed before God and, and all the people. The, the chief priests and the, the other rulers, they, they handed them over to be sentenced to death. And, um, and they crucified him. But, but, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. And what more, it's the third day that all this took place. Right? They remembered Jesus' words. They remembered he was coming back on the third day. And the third day morning came and you know, that triumph for return, that that warrior, that that military leader that was going to come in and wipe the the oppressors, the the Romans out. Well, it's the third day, and he's not back. But he was. They just didn't know it yet. See, without the resurrection. Jesus' death would go on without divine interpretation or endorsement. The resurrection amounts for God the Father's clear signal that Jesus is the powerful Son of God who conquered death and reigns as Lord forever. So often Jesus doesn't show up in the ways that we expect Him to. But just because he doesn't show up in the ways that we expect him to doesn't diminish his power. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He's alive, so we have a sufficient Savior. See, Jesus' resurrection means that the death, that death is defeated once and for all. Jesus' resurrection means that the sacrificial death on the cross was sufficient. And therefore, our sins can be forgiven and restored back to God. Even though the enemy feels like he's winning, even though at times in our life feels like evil is, is taking over, then then comes along, comes along Easter to remind us that there's no grave deep enough. That there's no seal imposing enough. That there's no stone heavy enough. And no evil strong enough to keep Jesus in the grave. Our Savior is sufficient. Our Savior carries the power that he needs to carry to be our Savior. Not only did he carry that power through his life to live as perfect, without blemish, without sin, 
that he loved people well, that he loved God well, that he lived in relationship well. But he went through death, taking on your sins and my sins. And he was powerful enough to carry the load and the weight of what that is. But the story didn't stop there. The story continues through his resurrection. And he was powerful and sufficient enough to to, to be able to perform a miracle for himself. He didn't raise another from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. Because he is a sufficient Savior. Let's keep going in our story. We start to wrap up this morning and continue to celebrate Easter, the reminder of this hope that we have in our Lord Jesus. In verse 22, in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. Remember, this is the conversation these two men, these two disciples are still having with Jesus. They came and told us that they had seen a vision from angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and they found it just as the woman had said. But, but they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, this is Jesus talking, remember, how foolish are you? And how, how, how slow to believe all the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them. He told them the story of God's people, of everything that's recorded in what we call today the Bible. Verse 27, beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all of Scripture concerning himself. Everything up to this point pointed to this moment. This was the moment that God restored and provided a way. This was the moment where, where everything changed. This is the moment where he, God sent himself in human form. This is the moment that God would be no longer separated from his people. Everything recorded up until this point is about me. That's what Jesus is saying. It spoke of my death, but more importantly, it spoke of this new resurrected life. As Jesus explained these things to them in verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So Jesus went and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, (laughs) gave thanks, and broke it. And he began to give them to give it to them. 
Then, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then, he disappeared from their sight. <laughs> he had lots of other things he had to accomplish and do. He was also no longer bound by the, the physicalness of this body. In verse 32, they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up, and they returned once to Jerusalem. Remember, it was almost night. They had dinner. More time went by. Remember, they're they're seven miles away from Jerusalem. But this was too important. They were so excited that they went back that seven miles, probably a lot faster on the return than on the way out. They had this passion that they just had to tell this great news of the resurrected Christ. Second part of verse 33, and then they found the eleven and those with them. Assembled together and they said, it's true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened along the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. See, without the resurrection, hope, this is what they're experiencing, what they're experiencing in this moment, hope, hope dies in that tomb. The hope that the disciples had for forgiveness, for a full new life to be established, would have died with Jesus in that tomb. If you're you're taking notes, write this down. He's alive, so we have hope. We don't serve a distant God. We serve a God that we have the opportunity to commune with, to talk with, to be in relationship with, to guide us and give us peace and and direct our paths to the things that he desires us to do with our lives. And when life gets hard, and it will get hard, whether you know Jesus or don't know Jesus, life will get hard. It's inevitable. But in the midst of those hard times, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're walking with Jesus, if you recognize that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you still have hope. You still have hope that your best days are still ahead of you. That this isn't the rest of your life. It is going to get better. Whether the circumstances change or not, you're going to change as you walk with Jesus, meaning you have more abilities to to conquer and overcome and deal with the hardness of life. You can still have joy when you're in the midst of loss. You can still have peace when chaos is swirling around you. This is what the resurrection has given us because it's conquered death and restored us back to our God. And Jesus is sitting there, sitting here today, giving you an invitation. He's saying, Come follow me. 
Let me show you a better way. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take some work on your part. But let me show you a better way. Let me be your source of this life. Let me be your everything. If you're ready to take this step today, we're going to go into a time of communion in just a moment for everybody else in the room. But when we go into that time, I I just want you to get up and I want you to walk over to the banner and Noah's going to be standing over there. He'd love to answer any questions he may have. He'd love to tell you more about Jesus and his, his message of great news. And then we'd love to get you baptized. Baptism for us is that first big next step. It's essentially just telling the world, our community, just letting them know that you are now a follower of Jesus. And in baptism, the the demonstration that's happened up here in the baptismal is you're going under the water, death to self, like Jesus died, right? Buried in Christ's death. This is where we find that forgiveness. We bring you out of the water, we like to say, raised to new life. Right? You now have access to this new way of doing this life, and you now have access to the life to come with Jesus. We invite you to explore this relationship. You have questions. That's why we're here. We'd love to answer them. If Noah looks scary and he's not your guy and you don't want to go over there in the middle of service, grab somebody after service that's wearing a lanyard and just pull them aside. Say, I got a couple of questions. I know. Don't get me wrong. I know that takes courage. I know in that moment you have to be courageous, but that's what I'm asking for. That's where you're going to find this forgiveness. That's where you're going to find this new full life. It's in a moment of courage to step up and say, let me pray for us. We'll go into a time of communion. Father God, God, more than anything on this Easter Sunday, we are thankful. We are thankful for for the sacrifice of Jesus. We're thankful for the resurrection of Jesus. We're thankful that he is sufficient and powerful enough. God, we thank you that we get to talk with you because of that sacrifice. We thank you, God, that our hope is always towards our future because it's a future with you. On this Resurrection Sunday, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your sacrifice and for your power at work. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hill City Teaching Podcast. We hope it was helpful to you to become a more devoted disciple of Jesus. More information can be found at www.hillcity.church.